everyone. Welcome back to another Slumber Party Cinema Club. This is Kate. And this is Katie. And we are back for part two of what we didn't plan on being a two-parter, but I don't know. It just seemed right. Yeah, that, you know, like our hearts, the episode goes on. <laughs> or like uh, if you're a VHS owner, you know, we're just flipping the tape. We're, we're moving over to tape number two of, of Titanic. Yeah, exactly. Although, you know what I learned last night? I was talking to a friend. My friend Emily and I were out last night. We did a cookie decorating class. And then we went and, and had a drink and nursed it for like three hours at a bar. In the conversation, she's like, her favorite movie is Titanic. We may have to do a third Titanic episode just to have her come on and talk about things she loves about it. Love it. But she and I were talking and she was like, you do realize that the DVD is two DVDs, right? She was like, they didn't put the whole movie on a single disc. When the DVD dropped, it was two DVDs because each DVD also had the movie with commentary. I've never owned it on DVD. I only have owned the the VHSs. Well, and it sort of came back to me that in college, I'm pretty sure Rachel owned the DVD and that, yes, it was, it was two DVDs that she had to switch the disc halfway through because they put the movie on with commentary as well. The tradition just lives on. You know, it, it, yeah. Well, we're all going back to vinyl now too, so... Who knows? Get the VHS players stoked up, right? So yeah, we're back for more Titanic. I figured we'd kick it off since I teased last time about uh, Titanic being an inside job. Yes. Um, so the last episode, we focused truly on the romance and and also on the end of the movie, right? And according to our poll, Rose is dead. So I stand corrected. I guess Rose is dead. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's the public what I has thought. spoken. <laughs> Rose is in uh, Titanic heaven. Rose is in Titanic heaven. So today we're going to talk about the second half of the movie, which is my favorite part, which is the disaster portion. But you're saying, Katie, that there's an idea that it was an inside job. Was this like an insurance fraud kind of thing? Yeah. So um, this was a video that I just happened to see on TikTok, came up on my For You, like not, I wasn't even looking for it. It was theorized that the Titanic, the actual Titanic didn't sink. It was actually its sister ship, which was also owned by the White Star Line, the RMS Olympic, and that that ship was disguised as the Titanic in an insurance scam, which was controlled by a name that might be familiar, um, American banker J.P. Morgan. Oh, he always finds a way to pop up in these stories. <laughs> yeah. And there's like this whole thing about the Olympic was like breaking down anyways and was getting to be old. So they wanted to, um, you know, be able to get rid of the ship and have the insurance money. And also like JP Morgan was supposed to be on that voyage, but like plans changed, you know, hours before the ship was mm. to set sail. However, that one was easily debunked because I guess the Titanic's construction materials had like a, a number on them or like a code. Oh yeah, um, like the serial number for the, yeah. the steel and everything. Yeah, it was all labeled 401 and the Olympics parts were all labeled with 400 and only 401 parts were recovered from the wreckage. Okay, interesting. So, well, so like I, I can see though, like, see when you said that you had like a conspiracy theory, my first thought was like, oh, that like it was an inside job and the captain was told you have to sink this ship for the insurance money. No, no, not that much of an inside job. Okay. Another, I did though, when I was looking up information on that and trying to see if that TikTok was true, I did find another, there are like apparently a lot of conspiracy theories surrounding the Titanic, the sinking of the Titanic. But another one that I found that was really good was, so JP Morgan, back again, some people say that this was an elaborate murder plot planned by J.P. Morgan over the U.S. Federal Reserve Bank. Okay, so who is he going after then? Who was on the ship that he needed dead? He was going after, so two characters that we see in the movie Titanic, John Jacob Astor and Benjamin Guggenheim, and then also oh, yeah. a, 
an owner of Macy's is Adore Strauss. Interesting. And all three of them did die in the Titanic sinking. They all went down with the ship. But yeah, it was all over the fact that they were rivals. He wanted to create the U.S. Federal Reserve Bank, which didn't exist at the time. And the other three did not. So yeah, he decided to, you know, kill hundreds of people just to kill these three men. <laughs> there's really, that's a conspiracy theory. It hasn't necessarily been debunked, but there's not it's, it's really out there. Yeah. It's, it's really out there. I mean, like, I I think can, this is where conspiracy theories get interesting, right? Because, like, one, they're entertaining. Like, whether oh, yeah. you believe them or not. It's just fun to speculate because we're human beings and we just do that. But I think also with something like the Titanic, it was this massive tragedy. And I think that a lot of what we do is sense-making. Like, I still have mm-hmm. this, this theory that, like, the Sandy Hook shooting conspiracy theorists who say they're all actors actors and, and crisis actors and that it's all a fake plot to get people to give up their guns. They're wrong. Absolutely. We know that Sandy Hook happened. So let's make that very clear. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, part of me wonders, like, if it's just more comfortable for people to see something like a conspiracy, like, oh, it was crisis actors or, oh, the Titanic went down because something nefarious was happening. And it makes it a little bit easier for us to digest the fact that sometimes tragedy just happens. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I think the the idea of like, you know, the conspiracy theories behind like Sandy Hook and the um, conspiracy theories theories behind behind something like Titanic a little bit different because the motivation right. obviously with Sandy Hook is like it's you the know, gun lobbies yeah where it's like I, I I think you're right on the money with you know it it's scary to believe that something that terrible could happen just randomly well it's it's the idea of everything happens for a reason which as someone with we've got we're both people with health issues yeah. like it gets, and, and after COVID especially, it gets really maddening when people are like, oh, you got diagnosed with this thing. Well, you know, everything happens for a reason. It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe it happens because of a chain of events because my DNA is a certain way. And the same thing with Titanic. Like, we know the reason the Titanic went down. There was, they were trying to get there too fast and they ran into a block of ice. Like, that's the story. And it's a human fall- you know, fallibility was at the core of the whole thing and lots of hubris. <laughs> Yeah, But it's so much more comfortable, I think, to be like, oh, no, it was someone intentionally doing something like that. It wasn't just this is the the danger of just having too big an ego. Yeah. And okay, so I'm glad that you mentioned the the like wanting to get there so fast and like the hubris apparently so you know how there's a scene the character of mr ismay and i can't think of the actor's name that plays him who i love and pops up in so many of my favorite movies he is having that conversation with the captain and he's trying to like pressure him to light the last four boilers make the ship go faster get there ahead of schedule you know make the morning papers apparently really knows whether or not that conversation happened it's mm. um it was part of one of the conspiracy theories i was reading about but like that whole conversation happening is sort of a theory and i i was like oh i i assume james cameron must have like read about this um well, I mean, and like, decided and, to and yeah. it well, even when I was in school, because I do remember when the movie came out, I know we talked about like my mom hearing the woman who was like, oh, can you imagine if that happened, like actually happened? Like, I do remember when the movie came out, I think it was like a year and a half afterward. I seem to recall in fourth grade, we did have a class, like a history class on the Titanic. But oh. I, that's because everyone had like Titanic fever at this point. I remember I read yeah. the Dear America book. Remember the Dear America Diaries? Yes. Was there a Titanic one? I don't there remember was. that. Oh my so god. So the, the the plot of the one the the plot of the one that happens on the Titanic is that it's this young girl. It's always a young girl. Yeah, they were it all was, young girls. It was all a, young it, girls. Yeah, it was a series written for girls. So but I yeah, seem anyway. to recall the plot was that she had been orphaned. Her family was fair, fairly wealthy. She had been orphaned, and the nun, like a nun, was taking her to America to be with a relative. Mm. And so the story is her being on the ship and then the ship going down. And of course she survives because she's first class and she's a girl. She's like a a child. And a child, yeah. And she's with a nun. And they were definitely not going to let a nun stay on the ship, right? So um, yeah, so she survives, but her her diary is that night. So like everyone had Titanic fever and I had a smart enough teacher to be like, okay, we need to actually talk about what the Titanic was. And I do recall the the plot the point in our lesson, which was pretty much just they wanted to get there fast. The captain was driving the boat way too quickly and 
didn't see the iceberg. And the next thing you know is the boat's going down. So there's a textbook out there that has that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it's a credible, I think that is credible. The part that like, we don't necessarily know is true or not is that whole conversation happening between Mr. Ismay and the captain. It's sort of an interpretation. The same way no one knows how, we know that the captain went down with the ship, um, no one knows exactly what happened. So like the version in the movie is totally James Cameron's sort of idea interpretation. I think it's it's really good. It's so it's such an emotional scene. Oh, yeah. When you've got Victor Garber standing at the, the mantle. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Yeah. And like you just see the tilt of the ship. So that gets us into the movie. So we left off talking about the, the romance and everything and Titanic Cabin. But then... When the ship starts going down, that's when I like get really into it. It's really, it's <laughs> awful admitting that because it is like the tragic real part. But for yeah. me, what's so cool about the movie is that it stands up visually effects, visual effects wise in oh, a way yeah, that yeah. I don't think any other movie really does. And it's all because it was practical, right? He had, he had a ship flooded so that they could, you know, shoot these scenes. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Practical Effects now mm-hmm. and forever. But like I, I was doing sort of a, a re, I don't know, I wasn't really re-watching, but I was, you know, sort of keeping one eye on the TV. I was playing the second half of the movie this week. And I totally forgot like the whole plot of how Jack and Rose, like Jack is like handcuffed in a room to a pipe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because Billy Zane has gotten pissed off. Yeah, well, uh, Billy Zane frames him for stealing the heart of the ocean. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so they lock him up. Yeah, and he's... Yeah, he's just in the uh, the brig or whatever you call it on a ship. I don't even think it's like a brig. They just yeah, he's just in he's in like one of the the below deck rooms. It's not even like a third class cabin. It's just a room. <laughs> yeah, it's somebody's like office or something. Yeah. yeah, but he's he's like they handcuffed him to the pipe. <laughs> And Rose yeah. has to come in with the axe. Yeah, and she like yeah. The only way they can't find the key, and the only yeah. way is for Rose to like chop the like tiny like inch of you know chain that links these hands have together, and she practices. And <laughs> she mm-hmm. does it really poorly, and he's like, "All right, that's gotta be <laughs> that's good enough." <laughs> yeah, you just see this this man whose whose dream in life is to be an artist and loves to draw, and he's just watching watching where that axe is going and thinking well this could be the end of my career but at least I'll be off of the off the chain and and we can get out of here yeah I have a better chance if even if uh something gets chopped off than if Mm -hmm. I just stay here for sure and die yeah no it's like that plot by uh Billy Zane's character is so good like because even Rose believes like wait did he steal this but yeah and then that's where you kind of have the uh you get the the moment of he eventually puts his coat on Rose that has the heart of the ocean in it. In the pocket. Yeah. And he forgets. He's do, too busy picking up a child and lying that it's his. Yeah. I have a child. I have a child. <laughs> Can you imagine how traumatizing that would be? Like if you're a kid and you grow up and you're like, I don't know, I just got picked up by this random dude and taken away from my parents. You're probably not even necessarily like thinking about it. You know, the concept of stranger danger didn't really exist back then. True. And the kid is pretty little too. So like it might not even register as a memory. Yeah. Which is even more so like when that comes back. When that latent memory comes back, I don't want to be the therapist. (laughs) Right. Like also my thought was, what did he do with that kid? Like once he was like... Because you sort of like, you get the glimpse of him. Again, there's this really nice moment where like the sun is coming up and he's on the boat. A poorer man nudges him and hands him a flask. And it's just sort of like a very, it's a very nice like equalizing moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but the girl isn't with him then. And then he, she's not with him again, like ever. <laughs> yeah. He just dropped her off with some other Irish family that's got a whole bunch of kids. Yeah. <laughs> they won't notice one more. Yeah. And well, the interesting thing. Oh, that's another thing I was going to say that I read about the scene with. So, you know, in the second half of the movie, too, there's a lot of scenes and nods to things that like we know about from history, like the band playing until like the bitter end. Mm-hmm. The scene where, similarly, again, bringing back Mr. Ismay, he jumps on to the last boat, sort of last minute, and doesn't go down with the ship, is, again, something that happened in real life. He did jump onto the last lifeboat. 
he did survive. While, you know, a lot of the other, I guess, leaders of the Titanic, you know, the captain, Andrew Gardner's character, like they all went down with the ship. Yeah, I was going to say pretty much everyone else. He wasn't ready to go to Titanic hell. <laughs> don't worry, he got there later. Yeah, because I don't think uh, I don't think you see him in Titanic heaven. No, no, he's not there. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think Titanic hell would be like? Is it just experiencing the sinking of the ship over and over again? Oh, the terror. Well, see, I don't know. So did you ever watch American Horror Story, specifically mm-hmm. Coven? No, I never watched it. Okay, so in Coven, there's a, a plot line where the characters, some of the characters keep going to hell. Mm-hmm. And so there's one who loves animals and her hell is that she has to continually dissect a frog. And then there's another one who worked at like a fast food restaurant and her hell is being stuck working at the fast food restaurant and sticking her hand in the oil over and over and over again. Gross. Also painful. (laughs) And so like, I've always, my thoughts of that season aside, that was always such an interesting concept. So like in that vein, I think like Titanic hell would be, I don't know if it would be the ship going down over and over again, because it's kind of like after a while, the terror subsides, unless of course there's a way to refresh the terror of the night. Mm -hmm. I think it might just be floating in the water that's that cold. Well, So in the same sort of vein, because I think this is like a real uh, concept of like what hell might be like, like what you're saying. And again, to bring it back to a TV show, did you ever watch Lucifer? No, but it's on my list. I really like it. But anyways, the concept of hell in that show is sort of you reliving a traumatizing moment or like a moment of regret over and over again. And sort of the trick of it like you were saying, like, oh, if you kept reliving, you know, the sinking over and over again, eventually you wouldn't be afraid of it. It's that you don't realize that you're not actually like, oh, okay. In the moment, like live for the first time. So yeah, I was thinking like maybe his version would be getting the news the Titanic was going to sink and like realizing like, oh, I'm at fault for this partially because of like my me pressuring to go faster and yeah that could be it just a theory (laughs) titanic hell (laughs) titanic hell that'll be our our question starter on on twitter we're gonna ask we know what titanic heaven looks like because we know that rose is dead now um at the end but what does titanic hell what is titanic hell and how does it differ from real hell oh my goodness we get so deep on this podcast (laughs) oh yeah probably partially my fault i've been reading a lot of like religious books lately (laughs) (laughs) so we've got the ship going down for me like you mentioned like there are a whole bunch of nods to things that we know actually happened and so like for me Jack floating away into the water doesn't hit me emotionally whatsoever. Um, I guess I'm just a cold-hearted bitch that way, but like, <laughs> yeah, okay. He had a good run. Yeah. Um, but for me, like the, the emotional gut punch, there is Victor Garber looking at the mantelpiece and saying the clock, that one gets me, but mm-hmm. really it's the old couple getting into bed together. Yeah. And, like, curling into each other in bed. And the woman, what really gets me is the, the woman tucking her child into bed in the, the third class cabins because they know that they're not getting out. Yeah, the I know the old couple is that's a real story. Was it that they found their because you know I think about like Pompeii and how we know that we've exhumed bodies of people that were you know curled up into each other because just the way that volcanic ash coats everything they were preserved. Right. But with Titanic, like how do we know that story was real? Is it because they found the remains like during the deep dives or? I want to say, yeah. And actually, you know what, now okay. that I'm thinking about it, I want to say that those two were the owners of Macy's. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I want to say like, they, they definitely were, they weren't third class passengers. They just chose to stay together. Right. Not like in the movie. Cause in the movie, it's pretty clear that they're in tiny little room. Yeah. Cause like, you know, obviously a lot of the men first class and otherwise weren't getting on lifeboats. Right. Which <laughs> unless you're unless you're Cal and you find a random child to take with you. Yeah, or you just, you know, jump on one. It's so interesting to me. I was thinking about that as I was like reading John Jacob Astor and Benjamin Guggenheim actually did die on the Titanic. They went down with the ship. Astor's body was recovered at a later time. 
And he was the richest guy on the ship. And I was like, man, okay, they had this whole idea of like, okay, women and children are going first onto the lifeboats. Like, (laughs) men will be fine. But I'm like, man, today, and I'm surprised this wasn't a thing back then either, but today there's no way that a man that rich like can you imagine if like jeff bezos was on like a ship like a titanic and it started going down there's not enough lifeboats and they're just like yeah whatever Uh, like women and children first like no way jeff bezos would 100 percent be on one of those lifeboats yeah or or have someone hovercraft over to get him out (laughs) that's true also that yeah but that's the other thing though and maybe the titanic situation is something that affected this but you don't see the uber rich traveling in a community situation like that anymore. They have their private jets. If they don't want to fly, they've got, you know, probably private boats. They've got their own yachts, you know? And so I think that that's the other thing though, is that we wouldn't have that kind of situation because for the most part, if you're Jeff Bezos, you have your private jet that's going to take you where you need to go and you don't have to deal with the the rabble on a big ocean liner. Yeah, that's true. Because I'm thinking about, you know, cruise I was just on. There's really, I don't think, there definitely, I there definitely were people on the boat richer than me, you know, that are in the nice suites and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I would estimate n- no one that is like uber rich, like... I would say like a millionaire, you know, above. This is a great place to place an unpaid for ad for the Women and Children First bookstore in Andersonville. Yeah, love it. Um, great feminist bookstore. Go support it if you live in Chicago and or if you don't, you know, check them out online. You can order, order something. Yeah. yeah, you can buy from them online too, yeah. Lots of good queer lit, especially if you are participating well, I was going to say, we'll just be at the end of the trans readathon that's going on over on Bookstagram right now. You know, when we post this episode, it will be the last day. But you know what? It's never too late to add uh, trans stories and authors to your bookshelf. So, Amen. So I do have some trivia that I, I dug up this week. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, go for it. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. So um, Jack Dawson and Rose DeWitt, or sorry, Rose DeWitt Bucator. We're supposed to be complete, like completely fictitious. And that's how James Cameron wrote them. And then I guess when he was doing the research, right after the script was finished and he was doing the research really to dig into all the things that he needed to do for the ship going down. That's when he found out that there was actually a Jay Dawson who died aboard the Titanic. But Jay Dawson was actually Joseph Dawson. And he was in his thirties. So not too far off of young Leo. And I didn't realize this. I always thought that the bodies just sort of hung out there. Like people left the bodies in the water because why would you go back? But apparently when they started salvaging the bodies, they took them to Nova Scotia and they buried them in in cemeteries in Nova Scotia with other Titanic victims. So interesting. Joseph Dawson is Joseph Dawson, who not intentional, but just happened to exist alongside Jack Dawson is actually buried up in Nova Scotia. His gravestone is number 227. Mm-hmm. And it's the most widely visited in the cemetery. So yeah. everyone goes to see. I, I am sure that people, you know, it's kind of like they leave they leave pennies on Hamilton's grave at, um, in New York. I have a feeling that people leave little tributes to Jay Dawson, even though he was not actually Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like I was gonna say that's such Jack and Dawson are two such common names. It's mm-hmm. not surprising that there happened to be one on the actual Titanic, whereas like Rose DeWitt Bucator, that's a pretty I've never even fucking heard the name DeWitt Bucator. Yeah, well it's two last names. DeWitt, because remember she's Rose DeWitt and then she marries a man named Bucator. Mm, okay gotcha is that the way it works i don't know i don't remember i only watched the second half of the movie (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i didn't think that there was a lot of hyphenating back then like you just took your husband's name and that was the end of the day well yeah because when she well but also remember when rose gets on the oh you know what i think i'm wrong because when rose gets asked her name she says her name is rose dawson yeah and that way her mother can't find her <laughs> yeah that nobody can find her and she can kind of go and live a new life as a poor okay so here's the thing that i found about the rule of women and children first and i feel like we kind of as a society 
think that that's like a hard and fast rule. But apparently it's a very rarely used maritime practice, something that was never even maritime law. And it's a practice that is pretty unique to the Titanic and like one other ship that sunk, the HMS Birkenhead. But really the ideal sort of like instead of women and children first, it really is always every man for himself uh, when it comes yeah. to life or death situations. But well, yeah, I yeah. mean, well, and, and so here's here's another thing. We, we talked a little bit about Bezos and what happens if the super rich today are in a tragedy like this or an experience like this. Here's the next thing. OK, so on that ship, we see how many handguns, like maybe three. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Can you imagine today, like I, yeah, you just went on a cruise and I'm pretty confident that they don't allow firearms on cruise ships. No. Yeah. So that helps. But like, yeah. especially in this very second amendment focused country um, where we're peeling back those kinds of restrictions every day. I mean, like you're talking about every man for themselves. More people would get shot on the Titanic today than would drown. I mean, I don't know if I'm sure there were probably like some guns that like officers had on the ship, but like passengers, you cannot have a gun with you, Um, you know, post 9-11 world. Well, and in 1912, I'm sure that, you know, handguns were fairly prevalent, but you didn't see people. I I, maybe it's just the way that they just dramatized the the movie because this is you know where the mindset was. Right. When we were making 19 in 1997, where guns like. The situation with Tommy, right? Because Tommy gets shot. Yeah. And it causes this huge stampede. Yeah. I don't know. It, maybe we just need to cut all of this because I'm doing way too much speculation. <laughs> no. Well, I want to say um, about that moment, one of the bits of trivia that I read was, so on, I guess on James Cameron's sets, he does encourage like improv. And yeah. the actor that was playing that officer was just so in the moment and like jumped up on you know whatever that thing was and like pointed his gun at everyone and said what he said and then they like cut and James Cameron was like hey that was great can you actually do that again and the actor was like what did I say like I guess he was so caught up in the moment he didn't even really remember what he did so yeah that was unscripted the actor came up with that little moment Um, Well, and I know that in in other reading I did that a lot of the extras were given direction to take lines that actually did happen. So there are, you know, a number of people who survived the Titanic wrote about the experience later. And so there are certain things that are said, you know, like be a little good little girl and hold your mom's hand. Oh, yeah. That was something that one of the survivors said that her father said to her when he was putting her on a lifeboat. And so they had actual like lines that are recorded as memories that the Titanic survivors had. They actually use them for the extras lines. Yeah. That, that one definitely kills me. Yeah. And like all the extras had a lot of the extras had like names and backstories. Yeah. It's kind of like getting that ticket at the beginning of the museum tour and being like, here's your ticket. Hope you survived. (laughs) Hope you don't die. You don't (laughs) find your name on the, the list of the dead. Or the people that died on Titanic. I was going to say now everyone who survived or otherwise the sinking of the Titanic has passed away. Backing up a little bit from the Tommy getting shot. There is that like really amazing part that everyone has where the third class passengers are locked below and they're arguing with one of the officers. Let them out and like give them a chance for survival. And they all they rip out that bench and then sort of use it to uh what do you call it not barricade but like break through the locked door <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah they you know use what it part i'm talking ram. about battering mm-hmm. ram thank you that's it use it as a battering ram and then tommy like punches that guy that was being a dickhead <laughs> yeah i love tommy it was it, it, like just of all the side characters i think tommy and of course uh the unsinkable molly brown are my two favorites yeah, those those two guys that are like sort of the friends of Leo's character, you know that they're probably not going to make it. Mm-hmm. It's just they they're so lovable and great. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I do have some some lighter uh, trivia behind the movie. So the first thing is that apparently Christian Bale auditioned to be Jack Dawson. But James Cameron didn't want two British actors playing American to Americans because technically Rose is supposed to be American. Mm-hmm. And that always like 
maybe it's because I always just imagine Kate Winslet as being British. Um, yeah. But yeah, so he didn't want two British actors. So Christian Bale, while well, I'm sure he did a fine job, uh, did not get the did not get the part. But my favorite is how they did the test screening. So mm-hmm. they had a they had it was the days of the test audience, and we still have these. But they um, decided to do a, a theater at Mall of America in Minnesota, which is already or in in Minneapolis, um, which is already funny to me. And so the tickets, they gave tickets to uh, the audience at one of the showings of Contact, which was the Jodie Foster movie that's based yeah. off of, oh, what's his name? One of the philosophers, Carl Sagan. Yeah, I was um, like, it's a book. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it, that movie's a little rough for me to watch. But um, I guess they, they saw a whole bunch of people going to this July opening for Contact and were like, hey, do you want tickets to this other movie? Because they were like... Titanic had gotten a lot, a lot of buzz, kind of the way that things like Don't Worry Darling get a lot of buzz because just it was a massive industry over, you know, undertaking and there was some drama around it. A lot yeah. of it was because there were like budget concerns and they're like, this movie's costing all this money to make. It's going to probably suck. And so they didn't, they didn't want press to show up. And they, so they told everyone when they gave them the tickets that it was actually going to be an early screening of Great Expectations with Ethan Hawke and Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh my gosh. So you roll in and you're expecting, you know, Ethan and Gwyneth and, and Charles Dickens. And instead there's James Cameron just like in the back being very quiet. They didn't mention yeah. the movie by name. They only referred to it as the movie you're about to see. And then Cameron talks about now he was like, the audience was like dead silent for the first 10 minutes because they thought they were watching a trailer for the movie Titanic. And they didn't realize that they were watching the whole thing. The actual movie. Yeah. Especially because that movie starts with Bill Paxton and his crew like doing a dive underwater. Like you have no yeah. idea. Yeah, it's not t- 1912 yet. And he said, he even says that like the minute that the scenes tr- translate, like transfer into 1912 uh-huh. was the minute that people were like, oh, we are seeing Titanic. This is this movie. <laughs> they did collect like comment cards and stuff. But my favorite detail is that, and I'm sure they're not the only movie to have done this, but they stationed people in the bathrooms. So oh, they have to people like listening listen. into yeah. conversations that were happening in the bathroom because, you know, not everyone's honest on a comment card. Yeah, man, I would love to be like a like part of like a screener group or whatever, because like, you know, you always hear about like, oh, this the test audiences watch this movie and so and so dies and everyone hated it so much. So they changed it. Mm. Yeah, I was like, man, I would love to be a part of the like that test audience where I can be like, yeah, I saw the uh, the original version where they die. And yeah, it's it's because of me that they don't (laughs) yeah because i'm insane and need happily ever afters going back to like the i know this is going back to the beginning of the movie and we are on the second tape but i forgot i didn't get a chance to mention my favorite joke in the movie not a jokey movie but there are some jokes and it's one of my favorite jokes in a movie ever when that one guy is talking to Bill Paxton when like older Rose is arriving on the ship and he's like trying to say like how do you know she's like a real deal she could just be you know an opportunist looking for attention and he goes like that Russian babe anesthesia (laughs) cracks me up every single time I think it's so fucking funny (laughs) Well, let's let's go back because I do want to mention uh, Gloria Stewart, right? So she yes. plays older Rose. She's the oldest, I believe, the oldest woman to ever be nominated for an Oscar because she was nominated for supporting actor. Correct. Yep. And um, but at, she's the only person when they were making the movie who was actually alive in 1912 because yep. she was 80, <laughs> I think, like 87, 83 or 87, somewhere in her 80s. But they did a ton of makeup on her because she didn't look that old. She didn't look a hundred. Yeah. She didn't look a hundred. And so they had to, they had to do a lot of makeup work on her to get her to look to be a hundred. Yeah. I remember reading that she didn't like it. I don't blame her. Well, it's like pretty much any of the makeup. I mean, I read that thing around the holidays that Jim Carrey had to get like special training from a CIA like a former CIA operative who was specialized in uh, surviving torture techniques mm, when they yeah, were doing yeah. the how to, how the Grinch 
stole Christmas because he had to be in the makeup chair for so long and he was starting to go squirrely, which I think yeah. like going a little batty for Jim Carrey is not that far a leap, but like, yeah, like I think the best of us could probably understand. Like, I think it was like between seven and nine hours of makeup every time he needed to get into the suit. Now he's found the Lord. So he has other ways to. He's just one interesting dude. He really is. Yeah. That, that Jim, Jim Carrey going full Christian is uh, not that was not I on had. my bingo. Yeah. yeah no, nope, not on my nope. bingo card. <laughs> Um, like I, I, I kind of dug the whole thing, like after Kick-Ass too, especially because I think there's a, a, you know, pick a mass shooting, but like, it was like when that movie came out and he was doing all the press for it. And he was like, I actually hate this movie because of all the guns. Like, I was mm. kind of like, oh, that's an interesting, that's an interesting move for Jim Carrey. And then he was doing like the artwork and stuff. He was doing paintings. Oh yeah. And they were all kind of like disturbing, but it was kind of like his George W. Bush moment where he was like, people should love me because I do art. Um, And now, and now he's, yeah, now he's on this new, new personality kick. It's, it's interesting watching the evolution of a person that way. And also speaking of just quick, totally unrelated shout out. We were watching Sonic 2 the other night. Those fucking Sonic movies are way better than they have any right to be. (laughs) But that's the titan- for another. The, the Titanic of video game adaptations. But it's not. It's so good. <laughs> there are definitely way worse video game movies. They haven't quite figured those out yet. We finally got good superhero movies, you know, back in 2008, but still haven't yeah, really now figured we're, out. Yeah, now we're slowly but surely reverting back to, well, this, I don't know. <laughs> it's still better than it was. It I, is. I, for At least for Marvel, I think DC still struggles. Oh yeah, um, but anyways, that's another episode. <laughs> that's not. But, but I mean, like, if you think about James Cameron, though, if you think about all the movies that James Cameron had made before Titanic, this was not really his wheelhouse because, like, he did Alien. Yeah, that's true. You know, he he was really more the the sci fi kind of guy, and then out of the blue, you go from having this guy who does, you know, Terminator Two, Judgment Day. <laughs> to making this epic about oh and true lies he did true lies true lies um, is so good and you know so like the piranha 2 the spawning director is now doing this massive budget movie of the sh- singing of the titanic which during his ted talks about it, he's actually been very blatant he was like i just really wanted to go down and see the titanic wreckage and to do that i had to make a movie and that's why i made the movie <laughs> amazing yeah and he sort of you know I feel like he kind of tried to do it again when the first Avatar movie came out. And I mm-hmm. I just don't think... I didn't think the first Avatar movie was that amazing. Yeah, I saw that one a lot in theaters because I was uh, in freshman year of college and I didn't drink. <laughs> uh-huh. So there wasn't much to do in a mid-Missouri town apart from go <laughs> to the movies. And I had seen Sherlock Holmes way too many times. So... I had to go see Avatar at least twice more after that. And it was like a good way to kill three hours. Yeah. I mean, it's, there are worse things to do. I, yeah, like, honestly, I only saw that movie the one time that I saw it in theaters. And I remember like being entertained, thinking it was really pretty and kind of enjoying the love story like I do. But it's one of those movies where it's like, I don't remember a lot of the plot points from it. I couldn't quote any lines from it. Like I, yeah, literally just saw it the one time and never saw it again. I like the music from it. I do have the soundtrack on my phone for listening when I'm working. But but yeah, I, I I saw it in theaters. I think maybe twice, maybe three times, and because again, we were bored, <laughs> and I didn't bought like when the second one came out. I was like, no, nah, I don't really care. Yeah, when they were like, oh, we're gonna make like seven more of these. I was like, why? <laughs> yeah, well, because apparently they have so much that they cut from the second one that they could make another movie right now. Yeah. I mean, I think we could do other things with that money, like in World Hunger. You know, I'm just thinking. So, okay. So you've seen Avatar like a few times more than I have. And like the way you can, and you can tell me if I'm way off the way that I sort of remember the movie 
is sort of like the way that the story goes and kind of story beats and themes it hits are very similar to Titanic. See, I was going to say it's a cross between Fern Gully and Disney's Pocahontas movie, but yeah. Oh, it for sure is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a very similar structure. But like, I feel that Titanic is like a way more, like in spite of them being very like similar movies, I feel like Titanic was like a way more successful movie in terms of like being critically you know acclaimed audiences liking it it being something that people will watch over and over and over again can quote you know yada 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 and then in spite of like avatar being the highest grossing movie of forever like it's really not as beloved as titanic i wonder i wonder if because like i've only ever seen titanic on the size of a TV that fits in a dorm room. Mm-hmm. Like that was the first probably five or six times I saw Titanic. I don't think I've actually seen it on a screen bigger than that. So like for me though, it's still an emotional punch and you can still tell that it's just a really well-crafted movie. But with yeah. Avatar, I think the big pressure of watching Avatar is you have to see it in the movie theater. You have yeah. to see it on the big screen. You have to see it in 3D. And so watching it on a TV at home, not nearly the event, and I think that might that might be why, because it's like I if I'm going to watch a movie at home, it's not going to be Avatar. Yeah, no, I you know, and it's funny because I had that thought, too, about going to see the second one. I was like, well, I feel like that's a movie that's really meant to be seen in a theater yeah. and would probably be pretty cool to see in the theater. Should I go see it? And I was kind of like, I never did because I was like, whatever. $30 to see a movie that I really don't care that much about just to say I saw it in a movie theater does not appeal to me today. Yeah. You know, what's funny though, because you were saying like, oh, it's a movie that's like really meant to be watched in a theater. And I like my brain immediately went to like Lord of the Rings and how different it is watching that movie in a theater compared to watching it at home but I still love watching it at home well exactly I mean I'm sure seeing Titanic on a big screen is just jaw-dropping right I can't think of a single movie that wouldn't be improved by being on a big screen but you know like yeah with Avatar though it, it, it that's the beauty of a story like Avatar does have a story but again it's so feels so derivative at least in the first movie of yeah. Gully, etc that it's like, yeah, okay, I'm here for the visuals. I'm not here for the story. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe there was just like, it was a little too, not cheesy, not the, like elementary, I guess. Like, yeah, it, it was like really a after school tale. There wasn't a, enough maturity to what they were doing in that movie with the story. Right. Which I mean, and it doesn't have to be an overly complicated story because like we are one of our first episodes was on Mad Max Fury Road and we both love that movie. And we also acknowledge the fact that the plot of the movie is they run away, they turn around, they come back. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that complicated. And it's an amazing movie because of it. But I think you're right. I think that maybe that's the novelty of Mad Max is because it's so simple. And yet it's just, again, the visuals are talk about a movie that's best seen in a movie theater. Um, yeah. But then, you know, Titanic, you've got the love story and you don't necessarily need the big screen for that. And you've got the, the ship going down and that would be cool to see on a big screen. Avatar is just like, okay, we know the story already. <laughs> Yeah, you know, be nice to the planet and the villains are villains and there's no three-dimensional aspect to them. Right. They're they're, they're the greedy, essentially the the oil drillers of yeah. planet Earth. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, maybe one day we'll solve uh, Avatar and then we can reach out to James Cameron and be like, "Hey, look man, here's what we need to do." <laughs> First yeah. of all, well, and but, see, that's the thing. I hear like stuff about the second one. They're like, oh, the second one is a lot plot wise is better. Like, I've heard that too. One thing I did want to mention um, before we wrap up and to ask you, Kate, have you ever seen the movie Titanic 2? I have not, but I All will right. say, have you seen the previews and, and the clips from Titanic? Titanic? No, I have not. Okay. Well, you talk about Titanic 2 and I'll tell you about Titanic. Okay. So Titanic 2 is came out in 2010, was um, definitely sort of a direct-to-video uh, type movie. And it was produced- I'm shocked. 
<laughs> by like asylum studios who always make you know knockoffs of any hit movie that are always hilariously bad so basically titanic 2 takes place on a fictional replica of titanic that is supposed to be taking sail like exactly 100 years after the original ship's like maiden voyage and it's going from instead of going from like England to America, it's supposed to be going from America to England. But because of like nature and global warming, like history basically repeats itself. But it's like way worse. It's, is like, it supposed I mean, to be a parody or is it like we made this film earnestly? Look, I don't know how many asylum movies you've seen. Uh, um, none. I watch a lot of mystery science theater and a lot of mystery science theater move or sorry, a lot of asylum movies end up as mystery science theater episodes. So I've seen a fair amount and I can never figure out if they are supposed to be parodies or not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Up to your interpretation. It's a terrible movie. I watched it at a slumber party once, actually. Well, hey. <laughs> we were like, let's watch Titanic 2. We know this is going to be bad throwing that out there nice well and so if if you've got a little bit more uh cash and you want to go travel um so there's a a thing going on in new york right now and they just extended it i saw they just extended it through september called titanic the musical okay and the premise of it is that celine dion hijacks the titanic museum tour and take tells the story of titanic and it's just it's a whole bunch of of parody over the movie talks about like what actually happened with Rose and Jack on the ship. There's like a whole bunch of like musical numbers that they put in. There's a whole bunch of like different, um, like almost like improv moments that happen with the audience and it's, it's doing really well. Um, it keeps oh. popping up on my Instagram feed because the, the tagline of it is nothing on earth could come between them except Celine Dion. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Is it actually um, Celine Dion or is it a character? It's a character, very much a character. I think that Celine, while it's funny that they're they're parroting it, they're, they're using Celine Dion as the, the lead. Celine Dion's actually dealing with some pretty terrifying health situations right now. So yeah, the woman That's cannot true. catch a break. What I've got one more for you that uh, like one more terrible Titanic spinoff um, mm-hmm. that I almost forgot about. Have you heard of Titanic? The legend goes on, which is an animated movie no okay so basically this was is animated movie is italian movie i forget when it came out i think it came out like not long after the original it was like two, 2000 2001 something like that and basically the idea of it is that we've gender flipped jack and rose so jack is the rich person and rose is the poorer person and she she's almost like a Cinderella type character because she's on the ship with her stepmother and her two stepsisters. And she's trying she's hoping to like I think she's going to America hoping to find like her missing mother. And she has like one clue. And then the Jack character is like traveling just alone with like his maid, I think. And then like. It, I remember one plot point, like the the missing mother ends up being his maid. <laughs> oh my god! See, I'm looking, I'm looking at the poster for this movie, and it looks like it looks like they've got animal mascots, like talking animal. Yeah, so she characters? has like some animal friends. Like one of them is like there are some like Mexican mice. One uh, looks like Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> One like, is a direct I, rip off of Speedy Gonzalez. Um, yeah, there's like some Mexican mice. I think there's some like Jewish mice on there, which Jewish mice makes sense to me coming from uh Europe. An American Mexican tale. mice. Yeah. <laughs> Mexican mice. How did they get there? Yeah. The first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Jack got there from the States in the in Titanic. He's going back, remember? Kate, these are mice. These are mice. <laughs> From Mexico. Yeah, but they talk. <laughs> They're anthropomorphic mice. Yeah, you know what? Maybe the story is that somebody went to Mexico. They were like, talking mice. I'm going to make a fortune and like kidnapped them and then brought them to 
England or Europe. I don't no, know. But see, I'm looking at this, though. The Wikipedia for this thing is incredible. Also boarding in the cargo hold are a group of animals, including a family of Yiddish mice, like you said, yes. some geese, uh-huh. a rapping dog named Fritz. Yes. <laughs> and a band of Mexican mice. Yeah. I like how there are both Yiddish mice and Mexican mice. Yeah. Wow. Um, Great. Well, great I know what on. I'm watching this week. The Asylum movie or this the animated one? Oh, the Titanic the Legend Goes On. Yeah. It might all it might be in Italian, but I'm sure maybe there's like subtitles or something. Oh, um, I well, I studied Italian in college, so maybe I I think I might be able to get through it. Brush up. Yeah. Yeah. Um also I want to say, you know, spoiler alert, I think both of them survive in this version. And probably all the talking animals too. I would. God, I, the fucking animals better survive. I swear <laughs> to God. Don't put animals in a movie and make me watch them die, real or animated or whatever. <laughs> good, good talk. <laughs> well, you know, we meandered like we usually do. But yeah, I, I, this. I'm sure this is not the last you'll hear of us talking about Titanic because there is just so much to to bring up. Yeah. We didn't even get into some of like the stuff behind the scenes where like Kate Winslet got seriously injured on set doing a lot of the stuff because she was doing so much because again, practical effects. But or yeah, everyone that's... getting getting drugged with PCP. We didn't even talk about the drugging of what was it, the clam chowder at dinner? Yeah. yeah. Which I remember hearing that story like a long time ago and then it's recently come back up again. Yeah, Bill Paxton talking about everyone being drugged. Yeah, because they all ate the soup at dinner. Just so much to talk about. And I am sure there are many books that are out there that go through the the making of. Yeah. Well, I say, uh, Kate, let's continue the conversation on the social medias. I think we should. And uh, in the meantime, so if you want to join the conversation on the social medias, you can come follow us at SP Cinema Club on Twitter and on Instagram. Yeah, we'll have polls. You can add us. You can slide into our DMs. We love interacting with everyone. Yeah. And um, in the meantime, uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, We're not sure what it's going to be on, so it's going to be as much a surprise to us as it is to you. But, you know, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us at the slumber party and make sure you invite your friends for the next one. Yeah, we'll see you next time, guys. Bye.